This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Zoomer Week in Review, heard every Sunday at noon on Zoomer Radio. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, a new vision of aging. Support CARP with your membership today. Visit carp.ca. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Zoomer Week in Review, all things Zoomer worldwide. I'm Jane Brown, in for Libby Snymer. Since taking over as publisher of the Toronto Star in 2009, John Cruikshank has been part of some very high-profile stories in the Canadian news landscape. He's announced that after seven years, it's time to move on. Today, I'll be joined by John Cruikshank to talk about his time with the Toronto Star and what's next on his horizon. Plus, it might seem counterintuitive, but people living with Parkinson's disease are finding relief by boxing. Joyce Johnson is the executive director of Rock Steady Boxing, a program designed specifically for Parkinson's patients. The program is soon coming to Toronto, and Joyce will tell us more about it in just a few minutes. First, though, here are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. In keeping with the promise he made to Zoomers during CARP's annual general meeting in October, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau announced this week that he will return Canada's pension eligibility to the age of 65. In 2012, then-Prime Minister Stephen Harper raised the age of eligibility to 67, effective 2023. Trudeau called that a mistake. The Prime Minister says the change will be announced in next week's budget. CARP COO and VP of Advocacy Wanda Morris is pleased that the governing Liberals have kept their promise. We talked before about our Feet to the Fire campaign and how we were going to be holding the federal government accountable uh, and how delightful that the very first uh, promise we wanted to hold them accountable to, the rollback of old age security, uh, is now being committed. If you're happy and you know it, you might just be a Canadian or a Dane or Swiss. The 2016 World Happiness Report has been released. And out of more than 150 countries, Canada ranked sixth in the world. Denmark took the top spot while Switzerland placed second. The report ranks countries based on criteria such as GDP per capita, healthy years of life expectancy, and social support. The reason the Danes held the top spot for the third time in four years? Editors of the report point to generous parental leave policies, gender equality, and a good work-life balance. Fly me to the moon, let me play. Among the stars. This week, we say goodbye to a man who carried on his father's legacy through song. Frank Sinatra Jr. passed away on Wednesday at the age of 72. He was about to go on stage in Daytona Beach as part of his Sinatra Sings Sinatra tour when he suffered a heart attack. 
Although he had some big shoes to fill, Frankie Jr. also released six full-length studio albums and made many television appearances over a career that spanned more than five decades. How much does it cost to support your adult son living at home? Most parents might say it's all in a day's work. But after feeling like she wasn't being appreciated, a mom, whose name has been withheld, invoiced her 23-year-old son nearly $40,000 following an argument. On the invoice, she billed her son more than twenty grand for tuition, over 5000 for benefit coverage, and 1000 for being... An unappreciative jerk. She won't make him pay, of course, but it worked. The son now acknowledges he was being difficult and had no idea how much everyday bills cost. I'm Jane Brown, and those are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. A new therapy for Parkinson's disease incorporates the moves that boxers use to train for fights. And research shows it really works. It's called the Rock Steady Program, with close to 100 affiliates across the U.S. and one soon to be opened here in Toronto. Joyce Johnson is the executive director of Rock Steady Boxing. She joins me on the line. Joyce, this is personal for you. My mother had Parkinson's disease for 10 or more years before she passed away, and I watched the way Parkinson's stole parts of her life And anything I can do today to make other people's lives and experiences with Parkinson's less devastating is something I want to be doing. So that's what Rocksteady is about, keeping people's quality of life as good as it can be for as long as possible. It really is an innovative program. How did Rocksteady come about? And it's a boxing therapy program, right? (laughs) It's a boxing therapy program, but please be aware it's a non-contact boxing program. Right, right. Our our founder in 2006, Scott Newman, um, had young onset Parkinson's. That's how he was diagnosed. And he experienced a really rapid deterioration of his physical condition, his balance, his posture. He had significant tremors, lost the ability to type on his computer. His voice got um, really soft. And a friend who saw this really rapid deterioration said, I just needed to get Scott moving. And so he suggested that he teach him to box. And Scott said, well, what have I got to lose at this point? And they hung up a heavy bag in Scott's basement, and Scott started boxing. And within three months, he saw major improvement. His balance got better. His posture was better. And mostly, he was able to use his computer again. People who saw him getting better wanted to get better, too. And so that's when our classes began in 2006. So just so we can visualize this, the person taking the class is hitting the bag, but they're not being hit and they're not hitting another person. (laughs) No, exactly. It's completely non-contact. What our boxers in our gym do is train exactly like a boxer would train for a big fight. They jump rope, they do road work, they run, they hit the speed bag, they hit the heavy bags, they do all kinds of exercises to improve every part of their bodies and their physical stamina, their balance, their endurance, their eye-hand coordination. All the things that Parkinson steals are the things that boxing training improves. 
Studies have shown that all exercise helps with the symptoms of Parkinson's disease, but the results from this Boxing Rock Steady program are fairly eye-opening, aren't they? Well, the the studies show that any any intense exercise is helpful, but we think that the reason that boxing works um, here at Rocksteady is because boxing of all of the sports was determined by ESPN some years ago to be the most demanding of all the sports. It demands all of you. And we think that and the imagery of actually fighting back against a disease that's incurable is really powerful. And just in terms of uh, that impact from hitting that big bag, I, I mean, I think some people might think that that might not be good for the muscles or the neurons, but there's something about that that obviously is beneficial. Well, you know, Parkinson's is not a wasting disease. There is nothing wrong with your body. This is a neurological problem where your brain quits telling the rest of your body how it should work. And so what we think happens in the gym is that people get encouraged and inspired to do a whole lot more than they think they can do. And as a result, they remind all their body, their muscles, what it should be able to do. Now you're coming to Toronto. Uh, Are you primarily catering to older participants? Well, Rocksteady Boxing um, is open to anybody with a Parkinson's diagnosis. The program was designed with people with Parkinson's in mind. We have a, a, um, a movement disorder neurologist and physical therapist who have worked with us in the program design. The typical age of diagnosis is 62. So that mostly means that probably three-quarters of the people in the program are 60 or older. But there is a, a, a larger and growing number of people with young-onset Parkinson's. And they would, maybe they would enjoy that as much as any other exercise class Act- and more possibly. Actually, the people who enjoy it the most are our people who are 80 and some of them in a wheelchair oh. who come in and they put those gloves on and smile and hit the heavy bag just like the people in our other classes. Well, you get the we, socializing factor too, right? You get out of the house and you're doing something with other people. <laughs> Absolutely. And, you know, Parkinson's is really isolating because most people don't want people to see them with their Parkinson's symptoms on display. And so they come here to Rocksteady where everybody understands Parkinson's. Everybody knows what it's like. And, you know, don't you think Grandpa's a whole lot cooler when he's going to boxing than going to therapy? (laughs) Absolutely. We all feel better when we're going to a boxing class (laughs) rather than therapy. Thank you so much for your time and all the best with your venture in Toronto. Oh, well, thank you very much. We appreciate the opportunity to, to share. Joyce Johnson is the executive director of Rocksteady Boxing. There's more information online at rocksteadyboxing.org. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review. I'm Jane Brown, in for Libby Snymer. For the last seven years, John Cruikshank has been publisher of the Toronto Star. During those seven years, there were many high-profile, exciting, and dramatic stories that took place here in Toronto. John Cruikshank will join us to reflect on all of it right after this. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, a new vision of aging. Support CARP with your membership today. Visit carp.ca. 
One of Canada's best-known journalists has decided to step down as publisher of the Toronto Star. John Cruikshank will leave the post in May after seven years, following decades of work as a reporter who worked his way up to senior management at the CBC, Vancouver Sun, Globe and Mail, and the Chicago Sun-Times. But the 62-year-old won't be fully retiring from journalism. John Cruikshank joins us now on the phone to talk about his decision and his future. John, why did you decide to leave now? You know, I felt it was kind of a generational moment um, that in the work. You know, we just this fall gotten our uh, tablet app off the ground, and it's, uh, it's starting to, to gain some steam. Um, we've contracted out our printing from the printing plant. That's a, a huge thing in the life of, of the newspaper and, and of the business side. Uh, and we've just launched the beta site for, for the star.com, for the next iteration of the star.com. So I kind of thought, all right, that's, that's a pretty good achievement there. And, you know, the next round, which will be some time off, should be undertaken by somebody else. Now, the proudest moments when you look back over your seven years, and you did say you were going to be at the Star for five as publisher, and it ended up being longer. What uh, comes to mind right away? And I know what your answer is going to be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was the investigative reporting. No question yeah. about it. Going mano a mano with the, with the mayor was certainly a, a huge deal. Um, but I'm also really proud of the stuff that we did on, you know, on drug safety, on the Orange, you know, hospital uh, transportation system. I mean, there's just a lot of, a lot of stuff I look back on and think, boy, that was tremendous work. Right, Gomeshi, carding, yep. yep. the list went, went on and on, and the whole Ford thing. I mean, that was really unprecedented. Telling the story for a year in advance of confirmation. There was a there was a moment in the middle of that because you'll remember um, uh, both both the mayor and his brother were angrily denying that it was happening. They were calling it publicly, calling us liars, psychopaths, all sorts of things like that. And they were urging people to give up their subscriptions and 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 not to advertise. And we did a, a little poll of of our readers in the middle of that, and more than fifty percent didn't believe that there actually was a tape. And, you know, we all got to look at each other and say, wow, you know, this is tough. This is really uphill work. Um, but we never, you know, uh, we never wavered. And, um, and it, uh, I, I can still remember being in the newsroom when the police chief um, acknowledged that he had seen the tape and it was as it had been described in the Toronto Star so long before. Uh, the cheer in the newsroom was incredible. That moment of pure vindication was incredible. What can you take credit for as publisher, John, when you look back over the last seven years? Oh, boy, that's, that's, a, that's a great question. Or what, what wouldn't <laughs> have happened had you not been there? Well, you know, I, I don't want to be immodest, but I, I do think that, that the fact that I came from an editorial background meant that I had a, an understanding of how you make the business work and how you change the business case in a way that doesn't hurt what's most vital to the institution. You are a consummate Zoomer at 62. I doubt that this is the end for you. What's, what's next? 
You know, I do hope to take a bit of a break, but I'm inspired by some of the things that I always have been, and, and that is I'm really interested in public policy issues, and I expect I'll find some opportunity to, to get more engaged that way. Um, it's, uh, you know, one of the tough things about the last while is the business has really been difficult in dealing with the changing business cases. Made I've had to, had to spend so much of my time on those dollars and cents issues rather than being in the newsroom, you know, thinking hard about what's going on day to day in the, in the community we serve. The other thing is I've had, um, while in this, in this last seven years in this job, I've had the opportunity to, to be on the cabinet of the United Way. I've had the opportunity to be on the, on the operating board at St. Michael's Hospital. And I've got to tell you, it's so inspiring to be able to uh, you know, contribute, to collaborate with the really great people you find in, in that kind of service. So I'm hoping that I'll have more opportunity to do that kind of work as well. I think uh, the next wave of journalists would also benefit from your teachings and your guidance and inspiration. So hopefully you'll do some of that as well. Oh, I suspect there'll be opportunities to yes. do that. Yeah, I'm going to stay on um, as, as the co-chairman of Canadian Press and um, and I'm also uh, serving a term right now as the as the chairman of the Canadian Journalism Foundation. So I'm not I'm not completely retreating from the business. No, I don't think we ever can. <laughs> it's, I it's, think that's right. It's, you know, <laughs> even if you wanted to get out, what's the old Godfather saying? It keeps <laughs> right, pulling keep me, me back. <laughs> it keeps pulling me back in. It was such a pleasure to speak with you, John. Thank you for your time. Great to chat with you. Bye bye now. Okay, all the best. John Cruikshank, outgoing Toronto Star publisher and Star Media Group president. I'm Jane Brown in for Libby's Nimer, and this is the Zoomer Week in Review. We'll take a quick break, and then it's back with music by Wilson Pickett. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, a new vision of aging. Support CARP with your membership today. Visit carp.ca. Welcome back to the Zoomer Week in Review, all things Zoomer worldwide. I'm Jane Brown for Libby Snymer. It's time for your International Arts Datebook. Tips for those of you who are jetting around the world. Here's Bob Comsick. In New York City, Dry Powder is a new drama about the people who are shaping and skewing the American economy. It stars John Krasinski, Claire Danes, and Hank Azaria at the Public Theatre on Lafayette. To Boston, where comedic actor Steve Martin is continuing to promote his favorite artist, Lauren Harris of Canada's Group of Seven. I had seen most of his work. I knew where the great paintings were. And it all just... and and I was offered it. (laughs) Steve Martin is the guest curator at Boston's Museum of Fine Arts, where the idea of North, the paintings of Lauren Harris, will be on display until June 12th. Martin says Lauren Harris deserves international acclaim. In London, England, computer technology collides with art in an exhibit called Electronic Superhighway 2016 to 1966. The exhibition reverses chronological order while highlighting major milestones in internet and computer history and its impact on creativity. And in Poland, a new museum has opened that honors hundreds of Polish citizens killed for helping Jews during the Holocaust. The Olma Family Museum of Poles Saving Jews is in the village of Markova. With the International Arts Datebook, I'm Bob Komsik. 
This week, the great Wilson Pickett would have celebrated his 75th birthday. Pickett was born on March 18th in Prattville, Alabama. He grew up singing in Baptist church choirs and developed a passionate, forceful vocal style. In the mid to late 1950s, he sang with a gospel group. By 1960, he left the group to pursue his own solo career. He signed with Atlantic Records, and after releasing a few songs that failed to chart, he recorded his breakout hit, In the Midnight Hour. It was the first of many hit singles that also include Mustang Sally, Funky Broadway, and this one. Recorded in 1966 at Fame Studios in Muscle Shoals, Alabama, here is Land of a Thousand Dances. One, two, three. One, two, three. That was Wilson Pickett with Land of a Thousand Dances. Pickett was born on March 18th, 1941. And that brings us to the end of another edition of the Zoomer Week in Review. I'm Jane Brown, filling in for Libby Snymer. Thanks for joining us today. Be sure to come back next week to stay up to date with all things Zoomer worldwide. You've been listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, produced by MZ Media Limited. Executive producer, Moses Snymer. Produced by Paul Thomas. This has been an exclusive podcast of the Zoomer Week in Review. Heard every Sunday at noon on Zoomer Radio. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.